Dear men, my third conference this afternoon will be on the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In the old law, there were two precepts concerning the birth of firstborn sons. The first was that the mother should remain as unclean, should be retired into her home for 40 days, after which she was to go and purify herself in the temple. That is the first of the precepts. The other was that the parents of the firstborn son should take him to the temple and there offer the son to God. On this day, we celebrate it on February the 2nd. The Blessed Virgin, she obeyed both precepts. She was not bound to the law of purification for she was always a virgin. She was always pure. And yet her humility and obedience made her wish to go like the other mothers and purify herself. She at the same time obeyed the second precept, which was to present and offer her son to the Eternal Father. We read in Scripture, And after the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they carried him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as I mentioned to you earlier, I think, getting ahead of myself, the Blessed Virgin did not offer him as other mothers offer their sons to the Lord. Others offer them to God. We have a, a semblance of this when we do baptisms. Uh, we offer the, the child up to the Blessed Virgin before we give the mother her blessing in the church, bringing what they call the churching of the mothers. But they knew that this obligation, the other mothers, knew that this obligation was merely ceremonial, a legal ceremony, and that redeeming them, they made them their own. Without fear of having to offer them up again, they would offer a sacrifice. We read it at lunch today of a couple of turtle doves if you were poor, uh, a lamb if you had wealth to you and then that was the end of it basically speaking it obliged them to certain rights and privileges actually this privilege here is one that uh, at the death of our Lord we know Our Lady to be perpetually a virgin we know Saint Joseph had taken a vow also and yet our Lord turns to St. John in the province. I see she had other children. Behold thy son. Well, that is not the case. Um, if she had other sons, then they would be responsible for her. Uh, John was not her son. Mary really offered her son to death and knew for certain that the sacrifice of his life the life of Jesus, which she made then, would one day actually be consummated on the altar. Whether she knew it to be the cross or not, I do not know. So that when Mary offered her son in the temple, uh, in consequence of the love she bore for this son, she really sacrificed her own entire self to God. From that day forward, when Simeon said, Mary, thy own sword, own heart of sword shall pierce. 
Every time she looked at her divine son, she hurt. Every time. It's like a mother today whose child has cancer. Can only imagine the grief that they go through and the treatments and the years that follow. Leaving then aside all other considerations, we will only consider the greatness of the sacrifice which Mary made of herself to God in offering the life of her son this very day. This is the subject of this conference, the greatness of Mary's heart. The Eternal Father had already determined to save man. God knew this from all eternity, that man would fall. He promised it when Adam fell in the garden with Eve, his wife, to send a Redeemer, who was lost to, to save mankind, who was lost by sin, and to deliver mankind from eternal death. He willed at the same time that his justice should not be defrauded of a worthy and due sacrifice or satisfaction. And so he spared not the life of his only son, who had already become man at his conception, who had already come to redeem mankind. But he, he willed that Christ should pay with the utmost rigor the penalty which man deserved, which man caused, the sin which he caused, the penalty he deserved. God sent Christ, therefore, to earth to become a man. God destined him a mother. He destined that he be like all other men in all things, as Scripture says, except sin. So God destined him a mother and willed that his mother should be a particular one, the best, the Virgin Mary. But as he willed not that his divine word should become her son before she gave an express consent, so he willed not that Jesus should, be sacrifice, should sacrifice his life for the salvation of men without a concurrent assent of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That together, Jesus and Mary together, with the sacrifice of the life of the Son, the mother's heart might also be sacrificed. When we understand what she suffered for the redemption of mankind, we can understand it a little more easily why God chose her as a mediatress of all graces. St. Thomas Aquinas teaches that the quality of a mother gives her special rights over her children. And so Jesus being in himself innocent and undeserving of punishment, it seems that he, fitting that he should not be condemned to the cross as a victim for the sins of the world, without the consent of his mother. And Mary spontaneously, knowing God, it's God's will, offers up the death of Christ for the sins of the world, knowing that he would rise again, knowing that only by his death could God's justice be satisfied. From the very moment that Mary became the mother of Jesus, Mary consecrated consented to his death, yet God will that one day she should make a solemn sacrifice of herself. By offering her son to God in the temple, 
sacrificing his precious life to divine justice, St. Ephraim, St. Epiphanius, calls her a priest. And now we begin to see how much the sacrifice cost her and what heroic virtues she would have to have, she would practice, when she herself consented to the sentence by which her beloved son was condemned to death. We see in the history of the church, I think it is a Saint Sophronius, I think that's her name, who encouraged each of her seven sons to die a martyr's death. They killed six, hoping that she would relent on the seventh, and she picked him up and put him in the cart to die a martyr's death like the others. A heroic woman. A woman who truly will be blessed by Almighty God. But look at the Blessed Virgin. It was her only son. And she had a son who was sinless. How much harder it was for her to give Christ up for the sins of mankind. Mary is actually on her road to Jerusalem to offer her son. She hastens her steps. She, like the Holy Ghost, doesn't know any slow movement towards a place of sacrifice. And she herself bears the beloved victim in her arms, just like Abraham had his own son in his arms. She enters the temple. She approaches the altar and there, beaming with modesty, devotion, and humility, she presents her son to the Most High. In the meantime, a holy man named Simeon, who had received a promise from God that he should not die without having first seen the expected Messiah, takes the divine child from the hands of the Blessed Virgin Mary and enlightened by the Holy Ghost, he announces to her how much the sacrifice which she then made of her son would cost her. And that with him, her own blessed soul would also be sacrificed. St. Thomas Villanova, he contemplates in his meditation this event. He sees Simeon troubled and silent. Simeon has some grave news to announce to the Blessed Mother. He, she sees, he sees Simeon troubled in silence at the thought of having to utter a prophecy, a fatal prophecy to this mother. He then considers Mary, who asks him, Why, O Simeon, art thou troubled? in the midst of such great consolation. That's Mary speaking to Simeon. And Simeon replies, I would desire not to make thee so bitter tidings, but since God thus wills it for thy greater merit, listen to what I have to say, Mary. This child, which is now such a source of joy to thee, such a source of joy to God, will one day be a source of bitter grief. To thee, that no creature in the world will suffer and be persecuted by men of every class, they will even put him to death. He will become a sign of contradiction, 
know that after his death there will be many martyrs, Mary, who for love of the Son of thine will be tormented and put to death. Their deaths will be endured in their bodies, but yours in your heart. How many thousands of men will be torn to pieces and put to death for love of this child? And although they will all suffer much in their bodies, thou, O Virgin, wilt suffer much more in thy heart. Yes, the heart of Mary was pierced by a sword, seeing her son persecuted. The Blessed Mother, from the day that she took Christ to the temple, she knew that he would in some manner suffer for the sins of mankind. You've heard of the scapegoat. That's the goat that the Jews figuratively laid their sins on and let out into the desert to die as a symbol of Christ. St. Jerome says that even before the purification in the temple, Mary knew from the scriptures that her son, the Son of God, would suffer much for the sins of mankind. Mary fully understood the prophets, that he, by the prophets, from the prophets, that he would be betrayed by one of his disciples, and that he would be abandoned by others. She knew the words from Scripture, strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Mary knew that Christ was to become the reproach of man and the outcast of the most degraded of people so as to be saturated with insults and injuries. Our Lord said, he takes from scripture and applies to himself, I am a worm and no man, the reproach of men, the outcast of the people. St. Alphonsus says that Mary knew that at the end of his life, his most sacred flesh would be torn and mangled by scourges. He was wounded for our iniquities and bruised for our sins. In Christ's body, Mary knew, there would be no soundness, no tissue that wasn't torn or bruised. He appeared as a leper, finally hanging on the cross he was to die for the salvation of man. When Simeon had made this prophecy, all the minute circumstances of the sufferings, internal and external, that were to torment her Jesus and his passion were made known to her. As our Lord revealed it to St. Therese, our Lord told St. Therese that Mary understood the sufferings that he was going to endure. Mary consented to all this, with constancy, which even filled the angels in heaven with great astonishment. Mary united her will to God's holy will and sacrificed her son to God. Mary must have had a unique understanding of how horrible sin is. What a horrible thing it was for Adam and Eve to subject all of mankind to sin as they did, because of their selfishness in the garden of paradise, wanting to know good and evil. As Mary offered her will to God, her 
so was transfixed with pain. We have in Mary charity without measure, constancy without parallel. Her victory deserves the eternal admiration of the angels and saints. She was silent during the passion of our Lord. She assisted in the redemption of mankind by her presence. That was sufficient for her to endure all the pain she did. She stood by the cross of Christ when most of the men ran like cowards. She stayed until he had accomplished the redemption of mankind. All this she did, not, did to complete the offering which she made to God in the temple 33 years before with Simeon. This was part of the completion of her offering. And it was an offering which lasted 33 years. To understand the greatness of her sacrifice, we must understand the love that Mary had for her son. Generally speaking, the love of mothers is very tender towards their children. That when these are at the point of death, children are at the point of death, there is a fear of losing them. It causes the mothers to forget all the faults and the defects of their children, even the injuries which the children may have cast upon them or they may have received from them. And it makes them suffer inexpressible grief. Few men know how much their wives suffer. Most mothers have a divided love amongst all their children. Some of you have four, six, eight, ten children. Most mothers have a divided love amongst all their children. Mary had only one child, and he was the most beautiful son of Adam ever to live. He was obedient, he was virtuous, he was innocent, he was holy. She had concentrated all of her love on this only son. Nor did she fear to exceed in loving him. For this son of, was God, who merited infinite love. Her son was the victim for all of our sins. We should consider how much it must have cost Mary and what strength of mind she had to exercise in this act. Many people would go crazy, probably most people would go crazy with such a cross, by which she sacrificed the life of so amiable a son. Sometimes when our kids misbehave, we can't wait till they turn 18. We want them to find their own nice little nest and start their own life. Not the Blessed Virgin Mary. She was the most fortunate of mothers, being the mother of God. Yet it is fair to say the most fortunate of mothers was also the most afflicted of mothers, being the mother of God. What mother would accept a child knowing that she would afterwards miserably lose him by an ignominious death on a cross? Mary willingly accepts this son on so hard a condition. St. Bonaventure says that the Blessed Virgin's love for the will of God was much greater than the tender love she had for her divine son. And you have to have that same thing too. 
You have to be willing to give up your children. God is the arbiter of life. I didn't understand the sacrifice of Isaac, Abraham and Isaac. That Abraham had to go take his son up to the mountain and sacrifice him. Until I understood God is the arbiter of life. He gives us the life. He takes it at his will. And it does not make him like the pagan gods who, who like human sacrifice. They didn't give the life. The pagan gods are a figment of the imagination. Our God has the right to claim back the life he gives us. I had a Protestant teacher, good lady, in English. And she taught us Bible history in a public school. Then you could do so. Not today. Uh, then you could do so. She said, I know that God has given me two children in order that I give them back to him. That is a Catholic statement. I was so proud of that woman teacher, even though I was a 10th grade boy. I was so proud of her for saying it, recognizing in front of the whole class that God is the arbiter of life, that every good gift co comes from God through Our Lady. St. Bonaventure says that the Blessed Virgin's love for the will of God was much greater than the tender love she had for her divine son. Mary would have willingly accepted all the sufferings of our Lord had God so willed it, and he did will that she accept them. <coughs> Mary's suffering did not end with Simeon's prophecy, but each and every day these sufferings were before her eyes each time she gazed upon her divine son. Each day pain was renewed in the heart of Mary. She did that for us. The more the son showed himself beautiful, gracious, and amiable, the more did the anguish of Mary's heart increase. Had the Blessed Virgin loved her son less, or had he been less amiable, or had, he loved, had she loved him less, her sufferings in offering him in death would certainly have been diminished. There was never, and never will be, a mother who loved her son more than Our Lady loved our Lord Jesus Christ. There was never a more amiable son or one who loved his mother more than Jesus loved Mary. Mary loving him with so tender a love could not offer her innocent son for the salvation of men to a more painful and a more cruel death than ever was endured by the greatest criminal on earth who suffered, whether it's electric chair, hanging, execution of some sort. From the day of her purification, Mary had before her a sad scene, a scene which represents all the outrages and mockeries which her son would endure. What an amiable and innocent son. Mary offers up her son to so many torments and to so horrible a death. Mary not only offered her son to death in the temple, but she renewed that offering every moment of her life as she revealed to St. Bridget, quote, that the sorrow announced to her by the Holy Simeon never left my heart until my assumption into heaven. She told St. Bridget that with her own tongue. St. Anselm believes 
that the only way Mary could endure this intense, persevering sorrow was by the support, special support of a loving God. And St. Bernard affirms, speaking of the great sorrow which Mary experienced on this day, that from that time forward, she died living, enduring a sorrow more cruel than death itself. The sorrow of the death of her beloved Jesus was a torment more cruel than any death. St. Alphonsus refers to her as the Divine Mother. On account of this great merit that she acquired in the, by this great sacrifice, which she made to God for the salvation of the world. And so she was justly called by St. Augustine, the repairer of the human race. St. Andrew of Crete calls her the mother of life. The wills of Mary and Christ were so united that they together produced one effect, the salvation of the world. Their wills were so united. Christ could have done it by himself. Christ merited condigno, as we said. Mary merited congruo, as we said earlier. Mary's will was so united to the will of Christ that both the son and the mother effected human redemption. Both the son and the mother obtained salvation for men. Jesus, by satisfying for the sins of man, Mary, by application, by obtaining the application of this sacrifice to us. When God was about to redeem the world, he deposited the whole price in Mary's hands. The merits of redemption, I'm sorry, the merits of the Redeemer are applied to our souls by the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. For all the graces that are the fruits of Jesus Christ, were compri comprised in that price which she had charged. In other words, all that Christ merited, he gave to Mary to apply. I mentioned to you a few moments ago the sacrifice of Abraham. If the sacrifice of Abraham by which he offered his son Isaac to God was so pleasing to God that as a reward, God promised to multiply his descendants as the stars of heaven. We must certainly believe that the more noble sacrifice which the great mother of God made of her Jesus was far more agreeable to God. And therefore, that he granted it, that through her prayers, the number of the elect should be multiplied as the stars of the sky, as the sands of the sea. That is to say, increased by the number of her fortunate children. For she considers and she protects her devout clients as such. God was so pleased with Abraham. He tested him. He found him made of metal. And he sent an angel to stay the execution of his son, Isaac. But our Lord was much more pleased with the, the Divine Mother, with the son that was her son, the Son of God, much more worthy than Isaac, 
but Isaac is a prototype of Christ. He is a symbol in the Old Testament to remind them of the necessity to sacrifice to our Lord. Saint Simeon was promised by God that he should not die until he beheld the Savior. This grace he received through Mary. For it was in her arms that he found the Savior. And if you wish to find the Savior, it's in her, he's in her arms. You will not find him out of her arms. You will not find her without him. You will not find him without her. In a vision, the Blessed Virgin Mary told Prudenciana Zagoni, I don't know who Prudenciana Zagoni is, that on the Feast of the Purification, she would grant extraordinary graces to sinners. If our sins are great, Mary's power is greater. The Son can deny nothing to such a mother. A single prayer of Mary in favor of the sinner you or me suffices to make our Lord forget the offenses committed against himself. A single prayer from Mary on our behalf. A couple hundred years ago, there was a priest hearing confession. In line, there was a man about your age who hesitated to enter the confessional. The priest leaving the confessional saw him standing there, went up to him, and asked the young man if he wished to confess. The young man said yes, but he asked the priest, could we do this in a private room? It might be quite lengthy. Okay, the priest agreed. The penitent and the priest went to a room, just the two of them. The penitent began to say, Father, I'm a foreigner, and I am of noble birth. But I have led such a life that I do not believe it possible that God could pardon me. I actually had the word would pardon me. He confessed murder. He confessed impurity. He confessed deception. And he said he committed these sins. The worst part about it is he committed these sins no longer out of weakness, but now to enrage God. That's a very troubled soul. He wore the crucifix, but he only wore it to hit it to strike it, to smash it. He had once received Holy Communion and he had the intention of taking it out of his mouth and trampling it under his foot. But he was stopped because he couldn't do so privately. There were too many people around, they would see him. What was going on? He entered to the church the second time of the day. Only he was there once earlier and he laughed, got cold feet, laughed. And then he was, felt to, he was compelled to come back into the church. And while he was in line for confession, God touched him with grace. He felt remorse for his sins. Standing in line for confession, he felt confused as there, as there was a war raging within him, good and evil, struggle back and forth. He wanted to leave but he physically couldn't. He couldn't walk. 
out the door. That's when the priest saw him. The priest then asked him, have you ever had a devotion to Mary, the mother of God? For such conversions only come through the powerful hands of Mary. The guy said, no, not at all, none. None was, father was his answer. I look, look, looked upon myself as damned. Then the penitent remembered that he had a scapular around his neck. And he told the priest that. And the priest responded to the penitent, Don't you see? It is the Blessed Virgin Mary who obtained for you this extraordinary grace. On hearing this, the young man was moved and began to grieve and weep for his sins. He grieved and he wept to such a degree that he passed out. He fell fainting at the, to the feet of the priest. A few moments later, he regained consciousness. He finished his confession and he received absolution. This noble man gave the priest permission to tell the facts of his confession for the edification of the faithful. This noble man returned to his foreign country, his native country, and he led a most edifying life, grateful to the intercessory power of the Blessed Mother in reclaiming one of her sons. Dear men, I would encourage you to, today to resolve from this conference never to intentionally make God mad. That is truly a marked soul. Resolve to have recourse to as we called her, the repairer, have recourse to her often throughout the day, resolve to offer your sufferings in union with the sorrowful mother. Our Lord wanted one to commiserate with him in Gethsemane. Our Lady is very grateful for those who will commiserate with her the sufferings of her son. God love you. God bless you.